You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. We're going to be uh, this month sharing on the identity that each of us have in Christ. And uh, last week in Burgess Hill, Robin shared or asked this question, who are you? Who are you? What is your identity? Um, it's a fundamental question that shapes our identity in, in all that we are. Uh, in our life groups the past week, but also in Brighton in this coming week, this question is asked, what makes us who we are? When we come to Christ, we are given this new identity, which is amazing, right? There's something that shifts, but there's an identity that isn't something that we are making up as we go along, but the identity that God has given us is an identity that he's already formed in advance. When he says you have a new identity in me, you're a new creation in me, he's already defined who you are. It's like getting a passport or an ID card with all your information on it, but that's already been filled in. You're, you come to Christ, you receive something new, a new identity, you're a new creation, but now it's our responsibility to, to find out what that is, to, to live out this new identity, because the old has no longer got a hold on our future. The old us before Christ actually no longer dictates where we're going, but actually there's a line in the sand, and from the point we say yes to Jesus, there's something new in us. There's a new identity that God gives us. In life groups, we're, we were looking, and we are looking at being children of God, being adopted in His family. God is my dad. He's my father. And I'm an heir of God, a co-heir with Christ Jesus. I receive all the privileges that come from being in his family, but also with that comes responsibilities. Our identity in Christ is not something that's static, but actually it's multifaceted. It, it, it's dynamic. It's, it's growing. It's developing. And so this morning we're going to read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 to 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 to 20. And it says this, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you through uh, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Again, the beginning. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? who is in you, whom you have received from God. The context that this passage of Scripture is written is fleeing from sexual immorality, but the underlying truth is this, that we are the dwelling place of God's Spirit. We are the dwelling place. To be a temple of the Holy Spirit means His Spirit dwells in me. His Spirit lives in me. I am a, the housing of His Spirit. Now this happens individually, but it also happens collectively. In Ephesians 2, 19 to 22, it says this, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners or and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus Himself as the cornerstone. In Him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in Him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. So you see, we individually, 
are the temple of the Holy Spirit, but we collectively are also the temple of the Holy Spirit. There's the Holy Spirit dwells in our lives, but he also dwells when we meet together. When we come together, his spirit is there. He's here. So it isn't just, I, I, I don't need you, but actually in order for us to experience all of the spirit, the spirit dwells collectively different than he dwells individually. Yes? Individually, when we give our lives to Jesus, put our hope in him, his spirit comes and he, he lives in us. He takes up residence in our lives. What does it mean to dwell? It means to live. It means to, uh, for him to occupy, to cohabit this flesh I've got. He's here with me. Wow. God of the universe is in me. His spirit is in me. That's part of my new identity. Actually, when I say yes to him, part of my ID card now says I am filled with his spirit. I'm a temple of his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit is now living in me. That's who I am. I'm no longer just me on this planet. His spirit is in me. There's two of us. Yes, there's two of us. And every place I go, there's two of us. There's me and there's the Holy Spirit in me. And collectively, when we give our lives to Jesus, he connects us to other believers and we are joined together in his body. And this body, when we come, the Bible says where two or three gather in his name, he's there. He, he is the fourth person in the meeting. He's there. When we come together this morning, he's with us. Why? Because we've come in his name. We've come to worship him. And so he comes. He's here. He dwells in us. He lives in this space with us. So we are God's dwelling places for his spirit. This thought process of being a dwelling place actually started right back in Genesis. God dwelt with Adam and Eve. He walked with him. He was with them. But then actually when we kind of forward through kind of through the Old Testament, actually when, when the Israelites were right in the middle of the desert, he had them build a tabernacle. And the tabernacle was to be in the center of the entire camp. If you read the instructions of where the tabernacle was, it was to be right in the heart of the camp. Now tabernacle, the, the word tabernacle means to dwell, our dwelling place. He was to dwell in the center of all of Israel. Then as they moved into the promised land, the dwelling place was converted or established as a temple. They built a permanent structure and his spirit dwelt in the temple. Then Jesus came and he dwelt among us, the Bible says in John, which means he was a tabernacle amongst the people. He dwelt, he was God with us, Emmanuel. But when he said, I will leave and your spirit will be with you. After I leave, I'm going to send another one, just like me, another comforter, and he's going to be in you. He's going to dwell with you. And so now, this transition from being distant, being something that's detached from us, the, the, the tabernacle has shifted from being something there to something here. We are now the dwelling place of God. You and I are part of this. Now, this reality should work its way out in our lives in a number of different ways. To start with, I bring God's presence, His Spirit, into every environment I go. When I walk out this morning, His Spirit went with me. No matter where I go, He's there. When I go to work, He is in me. When I go to the cinema, He's right there. 
When I go to a restaurant or go to the pub, he is in me. When I go out with my friends, he is with me. He is in me. I take him everywhere I go. When we leave church, we don't leave the spirit here. This isn't just the place where we encounter him. Yes, we encounter him here. But when I step out of this space, he's coming with me. There isn't an environment you can go where God's spirit is not in you. Isn't that amazing? He can go to the most awful place on the planet and his spirit will still be with you. With his spirit living in me, he calls us to be like him. And so these are some of the outworking of this. Because his spirit is in me, he now calls me from the inside out to be like him. So he speaks to the old Tyler and says, I, I want you to be like me now. I, I want you to be holy as I'm holy. And I was thinking how this could be illustrated. And I, I remember the days before we had children. And uh, in these days before we had children, you're kind of footloose and fancy free. You can do whatever you want. Should we go out tonight, honey? Why not? Sure, we can do that. Should we go on a long trip for hours and hours and not stop? Sure, we can do that. There's no problem. Should we watch this on television? Sure, we have the choice. We can do that. Then we had children. Should we go out? No. Kids need to go to bed at 7 o'clock. And oh, they've been cranky today. And we go, to, it'll be difficult. Should we watch this? Oh, this, this kind of movie really upsets them. Oh, it's got too much violence. Oh, no, no, no. There's profanity in this movie. Oh, we can't do that. We can't watch this. Oh, we shouldn't listen to that. And as the kids get older, Dad, how fast are you driving? How many of you have had that? Suddenly, there's all sorts of eyes and ears around you, and you become aware of things that before you had kids you weren't aware of, or you didn't even think of. You suddenly become aware that with this little person with you, you have to live differently. How many have lived that to some degree in your lives? You have to live differently because you've got a little person with you. You've got to be responsible. Now, not all, not all adults get this point that you have to be responsible with little kids with you, but you should. Okay? You should. That is kind of the key. Now, the reality is, is that when the Holy Spirit comes in our lives, whatever our life looked like before, suddenly when Jesus comes and dwells in us, His Spirit is in me, I'm now taking Jesus into every environment, and in every environment, Jesus is saying, Hello, what are you doing? Why are you watching this? This isn't probably the good thing to be doing. We have that voice in our spirit speaking to us and calling us to be like Him. How would He respond? What would He do? He tells us. He's there. Why? Because He's in us. Sometimes I think we have this warped perspective of Christianity, and, and maybe this is part of this understanding we need to have, is that we do not check out in our Christian walk. Some moments we're super spiritual, and Jesus is with me in my prayer time, and oh, I feel His presence, and then I go to work, and I can watch this or do that on the internet or whatever, and God's not with me at that point. But every time I pray, He's there. No, He's with you all the time. No matter what you're doing, He is there. He is with you. He is in you. He's, he's receiving all that you're putting into you. He knows it. God dwells in us. And He calls us to be set apart for Him. And this is part of this uh, 
arrangement we have when we say yes to being a follower of Jesus, that it's no longer I that lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. And so because I'm living for him, actually, I'm called to follow his leading, called to follow him, called to be a disciple, called to be like him. But I can be like him because he's in me. It's actually not difficult to know how to be like Jesus because he's given us himself. And he dwells in our lives. The challenge we have is to say yes to his spirit's promptings and no to our old nature. That's actually the challenge we have, don't we? I think every time I've done something I know I shouldn't have done, I know I shouldn't have done it before I did it. How many can attest to that? Come on. The Holy Spirit always provides a way out. You can never say, I could not resist. You know, in Jesus Christ, we can resist every temptation because Jesus always gives us a way out. But the problem is we don't always like the way out. We would rather keep going in what we were doing. But actually, God calls us as temples, as part of our new identity, to say no to our old life and yes to our new life. Because I'm, he's dwelling in me. He's in me. And can I just say, we need to honor him, what we read in, in Corinthians, we need to honor him with our bodies. We need to honor him with what we say, with what we do. Can I just say as a side note, you know what? I think as this is the temple of the Holy Spirit, I need also to take care of it. This is really a side note. But you know what? Your bodies is something we take care of. I think as Christians, we need to take care of our bodies. Eat healthy, exercise, take care of our bodies. Why? Because this is the temple. You know, sometimes, I, you know, in the church world, the church, the building has become a sacred place. But actually, this is a sacred place. It isn't just the altar that's a sacred place. You are a sacred place. And you need to take care of you. Because Jesus is living inside of you. I hope this kind of sets in in our hearts. It helps us to live life with this awareness that his presence is with me everywhere I go. Because that's now part of my identity. I cannot disconnect from the Holy Spirit because he's already in me. With his spirit living in me, he also calls me, though, to participate with him. In his divine plan. Okay, so one, in one sense, what I just mentioned is, is Jesus working in me to become like him. But then the second part of it is God says, I want you to be like me in what I'm doing. I want you to, to live and to, to do what I'm doing. So again, we bring Jesus, we bring God's spirit into every environment. But this also means because God has a plan, for every environment, we can participate in what he's doing. So, tomorrow morning you wake up, you go to work, God has a plan for your workplace. You're out with your friends, God has a plan for your friends' lives. You're talking to your family, you're going through challenges, God has a plan for those things. Now his spirit is in you, and because His Spirit is in you, you're bringing God into every situation because you're there. He's now got an access point, And it's you. In every situation you're facing, you are the access point for God to do something. Now, if God is outside of you, in a sense, He's got a big plan, a big kind of big picture plan of, of the planet, and every person, in every situation, he's, he's not, you know, we're not kind of going in a cycle process where with karma, 
But actually, God has a, a predefined plan. All the days of our lives are written before one of them comes to be. He knows what's going on. And actually, so when we step into our world, when we step into our situations, God knows what's going to happen. And he calls us and he implores us to be his ambassadors, to be his hands and feet. And in 2 Corinthians 5.20, it says, As though God were making his appeal through us, you and I are his hands and feet. What would Jesus look like in your environment? Well, you're it. You're the person who has the opportunity to be Jesus in that environment, to be in, in that situation, in that context. What would Jesus look like if he was leading this church in, in Burgess Hill and in Brighton? Well, we're it. We are Jesus. He dwells in our midst. He dwells in our, in our, in our coming together. So even as a church, we bring Jesus to Brighton and to Burgess Hill. As we gather, we bring him. So we need to represent him. But how does this work? Can I tell you what? It starts with God speaking something into our spirits about what he wants to do. God is in us. We're his dwelling place. But we need to be listening to his voice in us. And it starts with him speaking that still small voice at random points in our day and us listening to what he has to say. And how does that happen? We know we, we heard a few weeks back when Mark shared, you know, God, God speaks. So there's a flow when, when God is communicating. And sometimes we pass off thoughts as our own thoughts. Oh, that's a silly idea. Oh, why would I do that? When all the while, God has a plan and a purpose. I was reading a book that Mike Pilavacci wrote, and uh, he was saying he, he had left uh, the airport. And he was with, uh, I think, he, one of his co-workers, someone who worked at the church. And um, they were talking about hearing God's voice. And in that conversation, as they were leaving, it was Luton Airport, um, he just kind of mentioned this thought, oh, I just sense we need to talk to that person. But in his mind, he already had something else he was going to do. And so they just kept walking. But this person who was with them said, no, well, let's, let's see what it's like. Let, let's see if this is God. And Mike was in a different frame of mind. He's like, no, no, I don't want to do this. I, I think it was late for his flight or something else has happened. And so they said, well, maybe let's walk back and we'll just test the spirit. We'll just, we'll just see if, if this is God. They walked by this guy seven times and nothing. So finally, the, this person who was with Mike said, let's just talk to the guy. So Mike said, went up to the guy and said, you know what? You might think we're crazy, but uh, just felt we need to talk to you or pray for you. Is that all right? He's like, the guy says, this is amazing. So I I was just sitting here. I'm a pastor from a from another country. I've just flown here. I'm taking on a church. And I've just been sitting here wondering, God, did I make a mistake in coming? The elders of the church hadn't arrived to pick him up yet. And he was just saying, God, I could really use an encouragement right now. Now, that was part of God's big picture. But it took someone cluing into the spirit of God wanting to do something. It's amazing. But it happened in a thought in Mike Pilavachi's mind that God wanted to speak through him. But it seemed like his own idea that seemed crazy. 
Can I tell you that when God is speaking in and through us, sometimes they're crazy thoughts. Sometimes they're unlikely thoughts. Sometimes they think, why would I do that? That's unnatural. That's, the people will think I'm crazy if I do that. But you know, if we can be bold enough to listen when God is saying, things happen. But the second part is what God says always requires a step of faith to carry it out. God doesn't involve us into his big plan without us required, without us moving in faith to do it. He requires us to step out and do something. He doesn't just tell us for information's sake. Oh, I really want to use your life to do this. Oh, that's great. I'm going to go on with my day now. No, actually, in order for that to happen, we have to do it. Whether it's praying for someone, whether it's giving finances, whether it's, you know, whatever it is, doing something. God says, I'm in your body and I want you to do something right now. But it requires you to do, be involved. Now, I think it'd be much easier if we were God-possessed. Do you know what? If our choice, when we gave our life to Jesus, if suddenly we were possessed by him and lost control, then it would be much, we would be far more efficient as a church, wouldn't we? Come to church, bam, we're doing everything God wants us to do all the time because we have no choice. But God kept our choice intact. It's like the pit of us, the bit of us that God says, I'm going to keep you there. So you have to keep listening and keep following every time by your choice. But because we have a choice, we have a choice not to do it. We have a choice not to listen. But God says, would you just listen and follow my lead, follow my voice. But every time he speaks, he calls us outside our comfort zone. He calls us into situations where there are no guarantees. He, he calls us to, to take risks for him. And that's the challenge to take a risk, isn't it? None of us like taking risks. I was looking recently at an investment thing for financial investment, and it kind of is the risk profile. How, how much risk can you take with your finances? Even the word risk doesn't sound good, does it? We like safe. And I remember I, I did this kind of thing online, and it was like safe was green, risk was red. Where did I, where, how much risk could I take in my finances? And I thought, why is risk red? Well, because it's dangerous. You could lose all your money. Well, that's following Jesus is not on the safe side. It's actually on the, the red side. It's on the risk side. You could lose everything, but you could gain everything also. You look at investments, and Guy and Samantha, I'm sure, could tell me, could in, encourage you on this. But if you have on the safe side, you get kind of zero, okay, 0.001% interest on your savings, right? That's kind of where you're at on the safe, safe side, side of things. And on the riskier side, it could be like 10% interest or you could lose everything. It's, it's kind of one or the other. Sometimes as Christians, we live on the safe side where God is doing nothing. We think, you know, Christianity has been labeled a boring, I don't want to become a Christian because it's boring. If God's spirit is dwelling in my life, my life should not be boring, right? We don't live a boring life because God's Spirit lives in me. No, I can't go and do whatever I want to do. No, we get to do all these things because God's power is in me. The same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in my life. And I can do amazing things because He's living in me. My life isn't boring. But I have to be engaged. I have to follow His leading. I have to be His hands and feet saying, Okay, I'm going to do this. It's no longer me. It's you that lives in me. So I'm going to... Move my feet. I'm going to move my hands. I'm going to speak. I'm going to do the things that you call me to do. And when that happens, supernatural stuff happens. 
When God is at work, we always have an eternal, it'll always have an eternal consequence. There's an eternal ripple effect that just keeps happening. When we step into God's big picture, it isn't just the person we help. It isn't just the situation we get engaged in. That situation affects the next situation. It's like a domino effect that just keeps happening and we had a part to play in it. Why? Because you and I are the dwelling place of God. And when God puts something in motion, what he starts, he will see to completion. That completion could be 200 years from now, once that ripple plays its way out through life to life to life to life. And I get to be part of it because God sees the beginning and the end. He knows where you could fit in that whole big picture, your obedience, you saying yes to his spirit at that moment in your job place, how it'll affect someone 300 years from now. He knows how it'll all connect together because he's living there as he is here today. He's both the Alpha and the Omega. And you and I are living through time, but God is not living through time. Although God is in us. And so he knows what you need to do to be part of his big picture. But you need to know what he's wanting to do to be part of that big picture. You need to be sensitive to his voice. Now I got an illustration for this. Not often in my life can I share a fresh illustration because in the church, the longer I'm here, and in Brighton, I've been here 10 years, you've heard every personal story I have. <laughs> but now I can share a fresh one, because you haven't all heard this one. This has played out over a number of years. In 2005, we had a, a youth pastor stay at our home. He had brought some young people over from Quebec, French Canada, and uh, he stayed at our house. and. Uh, we were developing a close relationship. I had already taken a team to his church uh, with young people. And uh, he was in our house, and I, I remember clearly we were sitting at the, our dining room table, and he was sharing with me how he wasn't full-time, he wasn't even employed in the church, but they had about 40 young people. So there was, it was a substantial size, but he was wearing out. And he says, you know what, Tyler, this is my last thing I'm doing this trip. I'm going back and I'm resigning because I'm just done. I'm done. I'm done working flat out in the secular world trying to do this. I just feel like there's no breaks. I just don't feel I can keep going. Now at that moment, a thought came into my spirit saying you need to support him financially. You need to give a salary to him. And I say you, I don't mean me personally, but our youth ministry. And I remember going to bed that night, wrestling with this thought, oh, how crazy is this idea? How will I pass it by our eldership team? We're going to support another member of staff, but that person's in another part of the country. Can you imagine me bringing that up today in our meetings? Anyways, we, uh, I said, you know what? The more I wrestled with it, they were with us for a week. I, the more I wrestled with it, I thought, you know what, God, this is what you're doing. And so I shared it with the pastor. Uh, I was the youth pastor, so he was the, the senior leader. And uh, we said, okay, we'll, we'll take an offering. Um, first of all, we'll take an offering in the church. And then out of our youth budget, so the monies that we have to work with our, the young people, uh, we will use that money to see what we can do to support him financially. So we took an offering and we plowed money for a year into paying his salary so he could be full-time in the church and all that money was coming from our church. God met our needs as a church and the youth ministry. We had the youth ministry at the time, 
there's probably 80 people involved. So we had a fairly big budget. But still, taking a whole salary to put into that was quite a lot. Now, it was a bold step of faith, but God supplied and he was in, in the ministry. Now, during that year, while he said, okay, he, he stepped into it and God flourished the ministry, the largest church in Canada, and I think at the time, even in the world, in Montreal, caught wind of him and kind of what God was doing in his life and asked him to be their youth and young adult pastor. Now, their young people group was 600 people. So suddenly, he went from kind of a year before saying, I'm done, to suddenly now he's leading a very large ministry. As time has progressed, God put in him to plant a church. And he planted a church in Montreal with over 500 people. And that church is now growing. It's becoming one of the largest churches, French churches, again, in the world, happening in Montreal. Interestingly enough, I've shared him about this, David, in, in class in an IBTI. And some of the students from France, including Maeva, uh, know who he is because he's ministered and impacted their churches in Bordeaux and in the south of France. They, he's brought teams over and, and worship teams. And, and God has moved in, in, in France because of this guy's life. We had an opportunity to see this happen because we said yes to God's voice in our lives. Why? Because we're the dwelling place. God saw how this was going to play out in his life, but he needed a catalyst to see it happen, and he wanted to use us. Not just me, us. Now, me in that I put my neck out saying, I think we should do it. But everyone else in the church got behind us. Yeah, well, let's, let's support this guy. This Christmas, he sent us the, a Christmas card. And I just, this is where it becomes personal. Well, it is personal already, but it's Tyler and Donna. This is a gift to encourage you in your ministry in England. We didn't see you for a long time, but we are praying for you guys. I will always remember what you did for me. That gift in 2005 changed my life trajectory. Love much. David. Enclosed in this was a check to Center Church for $10,000. Shocking. I was shocked and humbled. That equates to about £6,000 as it's now been cashed. Can I tell you what? In God's economy, when we listen to his voice, we have no idea where it will all play out. And can I tell you, as a church, at this moment, we're taking steps of faith that are requiring finances. And at this moment, God moves in someone else's life, thousands of miles away, to give to a church he's never been to. He doesn't know who you guys are. But God moved in their hearts to sow into this church because they're following the Spirit of God in them. You know what? This ripple effect of God's Spirit, when we say yes and we take these steps, transforms lives around the world. How would have I known back in 2005 that today we'd receive this money? But we had a part to play in seeing God do something great in His life, just like you and I have a part to play in seeing God do something great in other people's lives. 
This year, we're believing for breakthrough as a church. We're believing that God will do great things. We are carers of his presence. But it requires us to continue to move by faith. And that is one of my anthems and something I think is uncomfortable when we continue to look at steps of faith because steps of faith are always so risky. But there's a, when God is in it, it will always have an eternal, eternal effect, even if we don't see it this side of heaven. These exciting things happen when we participate with the Spirit of God living in us. And I, my prayer for us as a church is that we have many more stories of people's lives touched because we did something that required a step of faith. The unconventional, not playing church safe, but doing the things that God says to do when God says to do it. When God's Spirit is dwelling in us, then supernatural things should be happening through us. I want to say it again. When God's Spirit is dwelling in us, then supernatural things should be happening through us. And I know we look, you know, sometimes we look at just the whole healings and, and other things, and yes, those supernatural things we believe for and we pray for, but you know, sometimes it's not so dramatic as that. Sometimes it's just following a voice. It's doing the right thing when God says to do it. That's supernatural because of the effect. As a church, we want to be carrying his presence into the community around us. And one of the things we want to do, even as we head into this prayer week, is be listening to the voice of God. We, we, we don't want to engage in any of these ministry outreaches that are going to happen without God's spirit moving in and through us. I don't need just another clever idea. We don't need another clever idea. We need God ideas. Can I tell you what? Even in buying this minibus, it is that same voice. It seems illogical. There's lots of safeguarding reasons why we shouldn't do it. Yet I believe there's some kids that are going to become champions in God's kingdom. But they need us. They need us. In the kids' ministry in Brighton, Kids ministry here, I believe God is setting something in motion, but it takes steps of faith. We're believing this year for miracles to happen. We're believing this year for salvations to happen. We're believing for people's paths to be altered because God intervenes. In our personal lives, God calls us to be set apart for him, to bring his presence into the world. In every circumstance we are facing, we're bringing God into it. So I encourage you, even as we set aside time this week, to be part of whatever it is you can be a part of. If it's being part of one of the prayer meetings or all of them, or they're both in Brighton and in Burgess Hill. But let's get a hold of God. God dwells in us, but he wants to move in greater ways. And, and really, he's just waiting for us. And I think prayer and seeking him isn't, isn't turning his arm. He's, he wants to do it, but... It, Prayer and seeking Him actually aligns us with Him. Is there, There's a difference. We're not convincing God to do something He already wants to do. What we are doing in seeking Him is we are aligning our hearts to His. And in that process, we get close to Him. And in that process, we hear His voice in us and through us as a body. But it requires us to step to the, up to the table as well. 
and to engage with it. So we're, we're going to close at this point, but just as we do, I, I just sense God wants to move in our hearts this morning. Maybe he already is moving. But I think it would be good to have a time where we pray. Pray for each other. Pray for God to move. And so maybe if you want to stand in Brighton, we're just going to hold on to you to, to stay connected. Chris, don't disconnect them quite yet. But across campuses, we're going to just stand right now. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church, passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.